Welcome to the 246th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are an overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, our weekly look at the NBA, and our weekly look at college basketball. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we will start in the NBA, where Patrick went 1-3 with his weekend predictions. In college basketball, Patrick went 2-2 two two with his weekend predictions. Therefore, Patrick went 3-5 and five this week with a light week of predictions, as we, as we talked about before. That brings him to a 997 and 637 overall record, which is a 61% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Uh, I think I need to bring back tennis predictions. Uh, no. Uh, I might, actually. There's a good chance because I've been watching the other intermediate tournaments um, when I've had the time, although they are still at some odd times and, you know, those events progress pretty quickly. Um, but look, in the NBA, I had one close game that I really just couldn't have gone. Uh, I, I couldn't have picked the Magic to beat the Timberwolves. It was honestly a bad week in terms of games overall. So it was a lot of teams that are much better than the team they were playing against. And then a lot of individual circumstances kind of altered those games. Um, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the magic beating the Timberwolves. Like I said, they beat them 108 to 106 credit to the magic for getting that win, but I definitely was never going to pick them to beat the Timberwolves on the road. Um, so that was a loss for me. The Kings beat the Pacers 133 to 122. Uh, the Kings were on a big winning streak uh, before they ran into the Cavs, which I'll talk about um, later, but um I mostly that was an emotional hedge pick. I'm not going to lie. I knew I'd be happy if they won that game because it's a big game for them to win. Um, so I picked against them because they were also on the road against a pretty good team. So um, I thought that those two teams were evenly matched. I thought the Pacers would be able to win that one potentially. And I picked against the Kings because um, I'm happy if they win and I'm happy if they lose. Um, but then the Lakers beat the Knicks 113 105. Now that one's just I, I'm that's not my fault. The only good player on the Knicks who played in that game was Jalen Brunson. Um, they were down Julius Randle, they were down OG Ananobi, they were down Mitchell Robinson. It just wasn't it wasn't the real Knicks. It's not the Knicks team that won 14 out of 15 or whatever it was um, at some point in January. Uh, it, it's just not the same team. It's not really fair. Um, but look, I, I definitely wouldn't have picked the Lakers. I don't think they would have won that game if those guys were playing. So not too upset about that loss. Not too upset about two of my losses. And then finally, the Bucks beat the Mavericks 129-117, which I did predict correctly. Uh, it's the first win the Bucks got with Doc, with Doc Rivers as the coach, though, which is worth mentioning. Um, in terms of college basketball, really thought I could have gone 4-0. Um, I had a feeling that in the top 10 matchups, two of the road teams were going to win because the higher ranked team was on the road in all of the games, um, except for North Carolina and Duke. Um, so I had a feeling I knew North Carolina, like North Carolina out of all those games, I was the most um, set about picking that one. I knew immediately I was picking North Carolina. I probably would have even picked them if it was on the road, honestly. Um, but for Houston and Kansas, Kansas hadn't lost at home in a while, but they had, which they tend to do. Um, but they had gotten close to losing at Cincy uh, or sorry before against Cincy earlier in the season. Um, and that team is not necessarily a world beater type of a team, not a top 25 team or anything like that. So if they can lose to teams like that at home or get close to it, I, I didn't see the reason why I could, why Houston couldn't at least put up an effort and maybe make that game close. Um, in the end, Kansas shot like 70% from the field against Houston's number one rated defense in the country. So 
that was uh, kind of out of nowhere. Houston forced a bunch of turnovers, but it didn't matter. Kansas just couldn't stop making shots, and Houston's offense wasn't exactly as good as it normally is either. Um, so Kansas got that win. I got that prediction wrong. Um, and then Tennessee went on the road and beat Kentucky 103-92. to 92. And I was really debating between those two which one I would pick the road team to win. I wasn't going to pick three road teams to win. Um, so I wasn't going to pick Houston and Tennessee, but I was going to at least pick one of Houston or Tennessee. Uh, and I picked wrong. <laughs> I, I did. I, I picked out of those two, just one of them going to win. And I picked Kentucky to be the home team to win and Houston to be the road team to win. And it got flipped. Kentucky obviously lost at home. Kansas won at home. So could have ended up 4-0, but didn't. Um, the last game of the week was number two, Purdue, against number six, Wisconsin. That one I was strong about, which is why I felt that I could only pick two road teams because just felt like too much for top 10, four top 10 matchups to have three road teams winning, regardless of the separation between the teams. Um, and I had already picked Purdue, and I was pretty locked into that pick. I wasn't going to flip to Wisconsin at any point, and they ended up winning that game. Um, but next week, not going to sugarcoat it. It should be an easier week of predictions. Um, there just aren't four top 10 matchups, and it makes it a lot easier, frankly. So uh, these teams are very evenly matched. A lot of these teams are rematching. Um, those games on the last game, last games of the season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in those matchups. They'll probably play each other in conference tournaments too, uh, maybe in the conference finals. All these teams easily going to be tournament teams, easily top three or four seeds uh, at worst. Maybe Duke could fall off that line, but all the other two, and Kentucky actually. But other than Duke and Kentucky, you know, these are all top four seeds, very, very quality teams that we'll be seeing factor in heavily to uh, the whole race of March Madness. Okay, well, uh, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, as always, on Thursday. That's at 4thand24.com. Let's now continue with our basketball-focused podcast with a look at the NBA, starting with the most impressive teams of the last week. Well, number one, it's really it's really a 1A and a 1B this week, but my 1A was the Clippers. Um, they beat Atlanta, Miami, Detroit, and Washington. Not the hardest schedule, but neither was the second-place team that we'll talk about. Um, the Clippers are nine and one in their last 10 games. Their only loss in the last 10 games was against the Cavaliers, who, again, we'll talk about in a second. Um, but overall, L.A. has been on a tear for a while now, uh, and they've moved back into a or excuse me, moved into a tie with Denver for third place in the West, only a half game back of the Thunder and Timberwolves for first place. Um, and the way they've been playing, they're 25 and five in their last 30 games. So it feels like they're going to take over that first seed in not too long, frankly. I don't think it's going to take them uh, that much time to climb the standings a little bit more. They have the talent, obviously. Now those guys have been healthy all season long. Um, they made their trades. They got James Harden, as we all know. So it, it feels like everything is in place for that team to keep moving up the standings if they can just play at their expectations or a little bit above. Um, and, you know, some of those other teams in the West, frankly, I, I know that they're Great teams, the Thunder and the Timberwolves, but they're young, and we don't know how they're going to handle playing down the stretch. Um, so I do think that uh, the Clippers – well, the Timberwolves aren't exactly young, but they're younger than the Clippers are. Um, but the Clippers are going to move up pretty easily. And speaking of moving up, I'll move on now to the Cavs, who went 4-0 this week also. They beat Sacramento, San Antonio, Detroit, and Memphis. Okay, three of those are the worst teams in the league easily, um, or some of the worst teams in the league. But Sacramento – uh, that was a good win for the Cavs. They frankly demolished Sacramento, even though that was probably supposed to be a somewhat close game. But look, the Cavs have won 14 of their last 15 heading into the break. 
and they're now up to the two seed in the East. They have broken the bond of the big three in the East that had controlled the standings. They're tied with the Bucks for a second. Uh, four games back of the Celtics, I believe, maybe five. Um, and Donovan Mitchell, he's averaging 28, 6, and 5, and Cavs have made huge moves in the standings, like I said, as a result of that. Um, he's made moves in NBA, MVP odds. A lot of people think he can be kind of a dark horse contender for that. If they, I mean, if they can claim the one seed and he can continue his play, maybe get his average up to 30 points per game, which is crazy that that's what you need now. But look, you need to score a lot <laughs> to be MVP at this point. Um, but it's still been a really impressive season for Cleveland, regardless after a relatively early exit in the playoffs last year. And we'll see what they do when they get into the playoffs this year, because there's no way they're going to miss it um, with how much of a cushion they built up. And really, I mean, I guess technically they could maybe fall back into the play and there's only like six games of separation between them and some of those teams. And some of those teams are pretty good as well. If you look at the heat, but at the same time, they have a pretty good cushion. I don't even think they're falling into the play in bracket. I think that's a long shot. Um, there's no way they're falling all the way out of the play in bracket though. So they, they will be there in April regardless, um, playing important games um, that will determine the playoff bracket. And then you have the Magic, speaking of the play in bracket. Uh, they beat Detroit, Minnesota, and San Antonio. They're trying to catch Indy in the standings, and they did, good, they did a good job this week by claiming the tough win on the road against Minnesota, as we mentioned in my predictions, while also taking care of business against the Pistons and the Spurs. They are only five and five in their last 10 games, but if they can carry the momentum that they had this week into the all-star break, it could be a big boost for them for the rest of the season. I think it's something that they need because, well, like I said, they are on the verge of play in bracket versus regular playoff bracket. They're right on that seven spot. I'm not too far behind Indy at all. I think only a half a game or a game, Um, but at the same time, you got to keep winning games and you have to make sure that you don't end up in that spot because you don't want your season coming down to one or one or two games. That's just not the way that you would hope everything happens after you've played an entire season of 82 games. Um, and then finally, we have the Thunder. They went 3-0. They beat Toronto, Charlotte, and Denver. They are 8-2 and in their last 10 games. I, I keep saying I think the Clippers are going to catch the Thunder or the Timberwolves or both for the number one seed. But the fact of the matter is the Thunder and the Timberwolves have done a great job of just keep winning they just keep winning they keep fending off both the Clippers and Denver frankly um from taking over those spots and the Thunder did that again this week um a lot of people think that um they still need to kind of pass the eye test because they don't have an experience they don't have experience as a team especially as a playoff team um I I tend to believe they're a lot better than people will give them credit for just because they're not very experienced um the win over Denver I think was a good showing for that team um, and, you know, maybe starts to sway a few people into their opinion. I mean, again, uh, I won't call them in the, fa- the favorites in the West or go too far with that statement. But at the same time, I do think there is a little bit of a lack of respect just because people are thinking the, of them as an entirely young team that just can't win because they have, you know, a coach who would be a first time playoff coach, players who would be first times in the playoffs, a lot of rookies playing minutes, a lot of second year players playing minutes but I really think that it's not going to matter once you get to the playoffs I think that Shea Gilgis Alexander who actually has experienced playoffs multiple times um, he's the one who's carrying this team anyway I I think he'll be able to uh, shoulder the burden of the pressure of the playoffs and I think that the Thunder also have a pretty unique home court advantage as we used to see in the Kevin Durant days Um, that building can get really loud and I think that will show out again once they're hosting at least a playoff series uh, by the end of the year 
All right. Well, let's move to the flip side of the coin to the least impressive teams of the last week in the NBA. Well, the Pacers lost to a bunch of good teams. They lost to Sacramento, the Knicks, and Boston. Uh, they beat Charlotte, but look, they went one and three. They might have run into a buzzsaw of a schedule this week, but they still need to start winning a game or two against some of those good to great teams if they want to avoid the play-in bracket. Uh, currently, they're only a half game ahead of the Magic, but that cushion, again, just it's not really enough uh, because you never know what when a minor injury could derail a few weeks. They already had this with Tyrese Halliburton earlier in the season. Um, they also just haven't looked like the in-season tournament version of themselves since that tournament ended, and that's starting to get a little bit worrying because that version of that team was really the only time they looked like a serious contender, and they have had some rough stretches since that time. I just don't I, – I, if they can't get to that level consistently, look, the in-season tournament was, what, five games of a group stage that were dispersed over a few weeks and then – two or three actual games, like a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final. They went two and one in the in the quarterfinal, semifinal. Yeah, they were undefeated in the group stage. But I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, they won a few games on a weekend. That's amazing. But at the same time, good for them. But what are you going to do in the playoffs when it's a best of seven series playing the same team over and over and over again? You know, they beat the Bucks in that tournament. But if the Bucks got another opportunity to play them, and especially if it was at home also, are they going to make the adjustments that the Bucs are going to make as a more experienced team and as a more playoff-ready team? And the Pacers not being able to stack together regular season wins is going to mean that they're going to have a tougher road to getting to the NBA Finals, which I don't think is very likely for them at this point. Um, but they're, they're, they're making it way harder on themselves than they need to. They need to start picking up wins to make sure they don't fall into the play-in bracket. And speaking of the play-in bracket, if the Sixers keep playing like they are right now without Joel Embiid, that's where they're headed also. They're 1-3 uh, last week. They only beat Utah. They lost to Dallas, Brooklyn, and Golden State. Um, I've said it like a thousand times. I probably sound like a broken record, but they need to figure out how to play without Joel Embiid. Um, it's ju you just have to learn how to play without your stars. Sometimes guys are going to get injured. Uh, but here's the problem. It's being reported that he's going to be out at least four weeks um, due to his torn meniscus, and that's just the at least part of it. That he's just being reevaluated in four weeks. Then you have to wait for him to actually come back. He's got to actually start getting back into game action. We don't even know if when he gets reevaluated, they're going to say he's healthy immediately. You're looking at at least the middle of March, in my opinion, um, for him to be back because it's already. I mean, March is already less than four weeks away because February is a short month. February is four weeks, so. The fact that we're saying four weeks from now means we're looking at least one week into March for his reevaluation, let alone his return to court. Um, so they would be a really dangerous low seed, um, but they're only three and a half games clear of the play in bracket right now. And if they're playing with a, you know, not 100% Joel Embiid uh, trying to make their way out of the play in bracket, that could go very wrong very quickly. Um, and you just don't want your whole season to come down to that. And frankly, there are players or there are teams that are going to be in the play-in bracket that I don't think the Sixers want to play, and I'm mainly looking at the Miami Heat. Um, that's not a team they want to play in any series because they haven't done well against them at all. Um, but that's a team that could end their season in the play-in bracket just like that after the Sixers had such a strong start, but it got derailed due to injuries. Um, then you have the Bucs. They're not going to be in the play-in bracket, but they haven't been good with Doc Rivers as their coach. It's only been a week, so I won't overreact too much, but they lost to Utah and Portland. They beat Dallas, um, but... Look, the Mavericks win, that's great. They didn't have Kyrie Irving. 
it doesn't mean as much as it would in another case. Um, but the losses to Portland and Utah are losses that a team like the Bucks just shouldn't be taking. Um, they're going to enter the All-Star break, likely tied with the Cavs uh, for second in the conference, maybe behind them, frankly, um, at this point. And they're only one game ahead of the Knicks also. So they could be falling out of uh, hosting a play a playoff series territory very, very quickly. Um, they're definitely looking like they won't host anything past the first round. Uh, then you have the Mavs. They went one and two this week, lost to Milwaukee and Minnesota. They did beat Philadelphia, uh, but the Mavs, as I said, they got Kyrie Irving back and they beat Philly when he returned. But again, that was without Joel Embiid on the Sixers side. Um, they played a tough schedule, but I'm still not going to give them credit for that. And the only winless teams this week were also some of the worst teams in the league. So like I said, at this point in the season, I mean, the Spurs, the Wizards, the Pistons, the Hornets, they've struggled to get to like 10 wins in 50 games. I'm not going to put them on here for going 0-4. That's just kind of their standard. Um, so in the end, we end up having a lot of 1-2, and 1-3 and three teams that might have played some tough schedules, might be dealing with some injury issues, but it, it's got to be them. It can't just be the teams who are just terrible because it's not, it's frankly, it's not disappointing when you see bad teams struggle. They just aren't good. So uh, that's why the Mavericks end up on here, but that's also why I don't have too much criticism to throw their way. All right, uh, let's wrap this up with our weekly look at college basketball. I will start with the big upset of the week that happened on Tuesday right after we recorded the pod. Well, not right after, but after same day we recorded the podcast. Uh, Georgia Tech beat number three, North Carolina, 74 to 73. Uh, frankly, this was kind of an innocent slate on Tuesday night. Um, you know, Number three team in the country goes on the road, plays a bottom team in their conference. Probably not going to matter. Um, honestly, this win didn't do anything. It, it, it did. Georgia Tech's nowhere near the tournament. Um, it's ironic because they have five quad one wins, and there are so many teams on the bubble that would die to have as many quad one opportunities and as many wins as Georgia Tech does. Um, but at the same time, they've lost so many other games. There's no way this team is a tournament team uh, unless they actually win the conference tournament, frankly. Um, but North Carolina, on the other hand, doesn't really knock them out of the one seed. Um, I'm going to start incorporating more bracket talk as we get to pretty much a month left until the bracket, at least a month left until conference tournaments start. And also, because we don't have as many topics, I can go into a little more depth in all these games. But also, same day, South Carolina beat number five Tennessee, 63 to 59. That was on the road. Now, that one was probably even more surprising than Georgia Tech winning because Tennessee was not supposed to lose this game at home, but South Carolina... They have been playing ridiculous basketball for the last few weeks. Um, they claim their victory over Tennessee They last week, and they obviously also claimed their victory over Kentucky at home a few weeks ago. And now you're looking at a team that has beaten both the top two teams in the SEC, and their only loss um, really in the last month and a half was against Georgia at home. But this weekend, they went to Georgia and beat them by 10 in their building. So South Carolina doesn't have really a hole in their resume. And all of a sudden, you had a team that was a bubble team because they play a weak schedule and hadn't played anybody about a week and a half ago. They were probably in my last four buys at, you know, 10 seed, high 10 seed, something like that. Now they're up to like the six or the five seed line, depending on who you ask, because they just have so many good wins. They got two big wins in the span of a week, even that win at Georgia, I think might even end up as a quad one win by the end of the year. It's at least a quad two win um, because it was on the road. But look, that's just, their resume has kind of just 
skyrocketed out of nowhere. And they also only have four losses on the year. And now they now that they've claimed some high profile victories, people are really starting to pay attention to them. They play Ole Miss tonight, so that's another opportunity for them to claim another good win. Um, then number nine Marquette beat Villanova eighty five to eighty as uh, Villanova continues to slide out of the bracket. 25, number 25, excuse me, TCU beat number 15, Texas Tech, 85 to 78. Um, a good win for TCU at home, although they would later in the week lose at home, which I will get to eventually. Um, number two, Purdue beat Northwestern, 105-96 in overtime. Northwestern has been the team that has played Purdue the best over the last uh, two or three years. This doesn't, you know, good losses don't actually do that much for you in the bracket. I think Technically, by the eye test, you know, maybe a few committee members kind of turned their head and thought, wow, this team isn't just good at home. They can actually put up some wins on the road, too, although we saw that was wrong because they then lost to Minnesota later in the week. Um, but look, the tournament committee, that might have passed the eye test for some of them. But other than that, it didn't really do anything for either of these teams' resumes uh, as Purdue just tries to claim the number one overall seed by stacking up quad one wins. Speaking of the number one overall seed, UConn beat Providence 74-65. to they might be the number one team in the country, but for now, they're not the number one overall seed. Purdue's resume is just ridiculous. They just have so many quad one wins. Um, but UConn, frankly, has more of those opportunities coming up because they play in a much better conference in terms of the depth there. Um, but then you have Florida, who beat number 10, Kentucky, 94 to 91 in overtime. Uh, apparently not as hard to beat Kentucky as we once thought. Um, they continue to fall in the rankings with this loss. Um, number 18, Baylor beat UCF 77 to 69. That was a big, big win for Baylor. Um, they went on the road to do this. A lot of teams have struggled at UCF. Um, UCF's just been an upset team. I mean, we'll see it later in the week when they pulled off another upset. Um, they just really have been hard to beat uh, when you're playing in their building. And they proved that once again because Baylor was really um, – they, they had to grind this win out. Honestly, uh, they were close through a lot of it. They were losing through a lot of it. But in the end, they did pull it out, which is the mark of a great team that they can win on the road like that. Um, and then, as we'll talk about later, they went back home and uh, also won later in the week. But uh, that's a story for another time. Boise State went on the road, beat number 19, New Mexico, 86-78 to in the pit. Look, New Mexico has one of the best home court advantages in the country, and I'm not, I'm not joking about that. Boise State getting this win was huge. They pretty much went from a consensus bubble team to, I won't say a consensus lock, but a consensus tournament team. Um, they are still on the bubble, but they went from wrong side of the bubble and maybe a few spots out, depending on who you asked, um, to at least on the right side of the bubble for some people up to a nine or a 10 seed. Um, I think in my bracket, I think I actually do have them as a nine seed, um, which I do. Actually, I have them all the way up to an eight at this point. So there you go. For some people, it's a little bit different. For me, it was um, really impressive what they've done with their resume. It's just continued to improve as the season goes on um, in a tough Mountain West conference. And then you have Nebraska, who beat number six, Wisconsin, 80 to 72 in overtime. Uh, a big win for the Cornhuskers as they try to cement themselves as a lock in the tournament. Uh, Butler beat number 13, Creighton, 99 to 98. Uh, a really, really big win for Butler. That's pretty much the equivalent of that Boise State win. Butler on the wrong side um, of the bubble originally, but now probably on the right side. Um, and I think rightfully so. They have some big wins and pretty good record. And frankly, you know, I've seen some resume comparisons. I don't remember who exactly posted this, but the resume is closer to Kentucky than it is to most of the teams on the bubble. Um, and Kentucky, if you probably switch places with Butler, just switch names, Butler would be maybe an eight or a nine seed. 
Um, but instead, Kentucky's up at like a five or a six seed because of preseason expectations and prospect rankings. Um, but then you have number 21, Dayton, who beat St. Bonaventure 76-71. Dayton just continues to win games. That's what they do. Um, they aren't really a candidate to lose many games in conference at all, and I think they could still be an at-large bid, um, which leaves an interesting A-10 tournament, especially if you are a fan of a team on the bubble, because if Dayton doesn't win that tournament, so whoever does is going to obviously get into the NCAA tournament, and Dayton is going to be there regardless. So that's going to be a bid-stealing opportunity in that league um, that at this point is pretty much guaranteed. Maybe Richmond might make it as an at-large anyway, but I'm not so convinced about that. Um, you have Texas, who beat number 25 TCU, 77-66. to 66. This team looked bad, honestly, at the beginning of the year, uh, especially in Big, Ten, in Big 12 play at the very beginning. But now, all of a sudden, Dylan Sioux has come back. Um, they've kind of figured out some things in their rotation a little bit more, and all of a sudden, they are back to the formidable team that they were last year and that people expected them to be this year. Um, Kansas beat Houston, like I said already, 78-65. Uh, big win for Kansas as they tried to close in on Houston in the standings. San Diego State beat number 17, Utah State, 81-67. to Good matchup of two teams in the Mountain West that are definitely going to be in that 5-6-7-ish seed range. Uh, maybe up to a 4 seed, depending on how they play the rest of the season. Um, but those are going to be some good teams, um, and we will see what happens with them, what happens with that conference. Very interesting conference to watch. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I foreshadowed this a little bit. UCF beat number 23, Oklahoma, 74-63. to They're just tough to beat on the road, and Oklahoma learned that uh, this weekend. Definitely not a tournament team, but, you know, they can keep stacking up wins. I mean, every every opportunity in the Big 12 is a huge opportunity. So, they they, they frankly, they have a chance. I don't think they're going to make it, but they do have a chance that they keep winning. Um, then you have Cincinnati. They beat number 15, Texas Tech, 75-72. Good win for them. Um, that one was on the road as well, I believe. So that was even more surprising that they were able to pull off that upset because we all know how hard it is to win on the road. But Cincinnati really helping their tournament chances with that win. Then you have number 16, Auburn, who beat Ole Miss 91-77. Uh, number three, North Carolina beating Duke 93-84, like we talked about on the uh, prediction segment. Uh, number 24, Alabama beat Mississippi State 99-67. to Alabama really starting to shoot up both the rankings and in um, the brackets all the way up to maybe a three or a four seed. I think in mine, they're a three seed. And I don't really think, I, I think it's pretty clear that they should be up there and they belong. Um, and then you have number 18 Baylor who beat Iowa state 70 to 68, a tough win. Uh, this game was crazy. Iowa state actually banked in a shot at the buzzer um, from three to win the game, but it just got off right after the clock sounded off. So it didn't count, and Baylor escaped with the win, but that was a crazy game. Uh, Tennessee beat Kentucky, like I said. St. Mary's went on the road and beat Gonzaga 64-62. Gonzaga now has two losses in the WCC, is out of the tournament in most people's brackets, if not all at this point. Um, and St. Mary's is going to claim that auto bid, frankly, at this point. Um, They're at least going to claim the regular season title because they've now beaten Gonzaga on the road. They only have to play them again at home in the rest of the season, and they have no losses in conference so far. Uh, then you have Purdue who beat Wisconsin, like I said. Number 14, Illinois beat Nebraska 87-84 in overtime. So Nebraska staying close in a tough environment, um, but just not quite able to pull out that win. Still a solid tournament team, though, after that win over Wisconsin especially. And I think they can put, pick up some even more uh, good wins or even more good wins as the year goes on. Uh, there's a big matchup between them and Northwestern tomorrow and kind of a matchup of two eight-ish nine seeds. Um, 
winner of that going to get a big boost uh, from the tournament committee, regardless, especially if Nebraska wins on the road. Um, but then you have number 11, Arizona. They beat Stanford 82 to 71. They kind of struggled through this game more than they should, but you know what? A win is a win. Um, they gave up 45 points in the first half and then gave up like 20 points until the final minute of the second half. So they made the adjustments they needed to do at halftime and they ended up with a win. And then last night, Kansas, after getting the big boost in the poll for beating Houston, they lost once again, this time to Kansas State on the road, 75 to 70 in overtime. A uh, great game to watch. Tyler Perry came up clutch for Kansas State, the North Texas transfer. Um, and Kansas, again, just suffering way more conference losses than they normally do. Uh, they haven't lost at home in conference, but they've lost pretty much every time they've gone on the road. They lost to West Virginia on the road. They now have this Kansas State loss on the road. Um, they need to win some road games if they're going to win the conference. And for now, even after that Houston win, they they closed within, I think, one or two games of that lead. But now they're falling back even more, and they're behind even more teams. Um, so we'll see if they're able to battle back Um and get to where they normally are, which is winning that conference as they've done so many times in the regular season and in the tournament uh, in the Bill Self era. But for now, they are not in first place. And uh, Kansas State claims a good win that will help their tournament resume because they are definitely on the wrong side of the bubble um, as it stands right now. Okay, that wraps this basketball-centric edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, February 13th, where we will once again look back at Patrick's weekend predictions Take a look back at the Super Bowl, have another look at NBA action, and review the week in college basketball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be posted tomorrow, and his picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All of that content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.